0: Numbers equal power. Spread the word about RagingElephantsRadio.com. Download the Raging Elephants Radio app. Got some updates coming to it here in the next week or so. That's what the developer is saying. So go ahead and download it right now on your iOS device or your Android. Go to the uh, Apple Store, your App Store, or at Google Play. Just look for Raging Elephants Radio. Everybody knows the logo. Or you can just do Texas politics, you know the logo, download the app, absolutely free. And in doing so, I'm going to be announcing some uh, some gifts as well. Here's the president of the Texas Nationalist Movement, which is the preeminent organization for Texas independence on the planet. Been doing it now for over two decades, approaching quarter of a century. He is a Raging Elephants Radio contributor. He's Daniel Miller, author of the new book, Texit, Why? Texas, how and why Texas is going to leave the, leave the union now available at Amazon. It's going to be out uh, for pre-art. It's going to be released in March, right, Daniel? Uh, April 21st, San Jacinto day. Oh yeah. And I, and I, and I missed you, man. A uh, happy belated Texas independence day. I didn't get a chance to talk to you on Texas independence day.
1: I know it was, uh, of course it was a very exciting day for us, but, um, you know, we, we lost a, a good friend, uh, probably one of the best songwriters and, and nicest guys to, uh, that you would ever meet on that same day. So it was a little bit of a bittersweet, uh, day for us around the Miller household.
0: Um, and Daniel, uh, at least for, I don't know, maybe a couple of the Texas nationalist movement endorsed candidates, uh, a good night, I was able to identify at least one, Jason Huddleston running for state rep in District 88, uh, out there in the middle of nowhere close to the panhandle, I think uh, are actually uh, more close to like uh, Lubbock, made it into the runoff against the incumbent rhino Ken King. I'm, I'm sure you got your text, your phone was blowing up over that last night.
1: Yeah. Well, I was looking at the, at the numbers and the most recent numbers that I saw, he, he missed the runoff by just a, a handful of uh, a handful of votes, but.
0: Oh yeah. All right. I see it. Yeah. I just pulled it up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sorry. So, ah. yeah so, you know, look, it was, uh, you know, there was, there were some things to be disappointed about. We did, uh, you know, some of our endorsed candidates did well uh, in the, in the local races. Uh, J.P. race up in Collin County, a county commissioner's race up in Denton County, um, but but by and large, uh, you know, we our our guys did not fare as well as uh, really we thought they should.
0: How did Roger Roger Collin do?
1: Well, that's uh, that's municipal, so oh, you know we, right, we still right, got right. some time on that.
0: Time uh, right. Okay,
1: but you know, I, I think what what's interesting about that is, I mean, obviously everything, every piece of information seeks to inform you know i mean we we're able to get some good information off of everything regardless of how it happens and you know we had um, you know we had uh, i mean there's obviously some takeaways uh first and foremost is that uh strangely enough uh, a lot of our strength lies in the local races and and i think that uh as we move forward it's something that uh, we're going to need to visit with our, uh, our folks, our supporters in the local areas. I mean, there, we may see uh, moving forward, and I, and I can't make any predictions because, I mean, we're still crunching numbers, but, but I, I really see the t and as we move forward, um, probably trying to focus a, a lot more on some of those, those county and local races. Uh, we seem to, to do better in those than we do some of these others. Um, the other obvious takeaway, and, and like I said, we're crunching numbers, but it, it's interesting. Uh, you know, you and I spoke about the role of these consultants, uh, and and how there was a consultant in particular who was going around telling his candidates not to fill out our survey. Are yeah. not come are not come on Raging Elephants Radio. Or yeah, and you know, so you know, one of the things that we are, may, not, are not advertised on Raging Elephants Radio. Oh, I know. You know, it's it's ridiculous, but you know, these aside Luke from the consultants, where Luke Messias is, who we're talking about, the well, so-called boy wonder. He's not the only one. I mean, but you know, that's that's in particular this particular case. But uh, I will tell you what's interesting as we've been preliminarily crunching the numbers. Uh, one of the things, you know, that we measure, and, and I've actually talked about this before uh, on this program, is, you know, we measure the, the number of supporters down to, you know, the House district, Senate district. And so we have a, a very solid idea of, of how we can impact uh, particular primary elections. You know, the, the first is that pain point, the first metric that we look at. Uh, when, we're, when we're approaching and, and trying to gather and identify supporters in these districts, uh, we, we have what's called the pain point, which is the, the average swing between the winner and the loser in the primary elections. Because, you know, at the moment that you can, you can sway an election by the number of supporters in a block vote, uh, all of a sudden now you've got, you've got that first semblance of, of political power mm-hmm. uh, on this particular issue. So right off the bat, um, a few of these races jumped out and I, I'm focusing directly on races where the, the candidate did not, neither, none of the candidates in the race filled out the survey. None of them sought our endorsement. Uh, and one of them that just jumped um, immediately out was uh, Brian Slayton's race. Now, Slayton, interestingly enough, the last run that he made, he actually was before we were doing endorsements in the way that we do them. He signed the the uh, the pledge that we had. It's like the taxpayer protection pledge, but it's you know it was basically a, an affirmation that they would support our rights under Article One, Section Two of the Texas Constitution. And, and what you've got in that race, you got a difference, uh, again, another close result of about 790 votes. Uh, what's interesting is is that we have in HD2, we've got f- over 5,000 declared supporters. Now, if you will recall, Claver, one of the things that, that I, I said, not just on your broadcast, but when we did the online event for the TNM, Uh, We were, I was very clear that I had no intention of of voting for any of these candidates that would not even, could not be bothered to ask for our endorsement or at least fill out the survey. So that was the first step. And I encouraged all of our supporters to do that. You know, so now you've got a, a race where Brian Slayton's lost by 790 votes and, we know that, uh, you know, very likely a large chunk of our supporters sat home, you know. So, uh, would that have affected that race? I I believe in my heart of hearts, absolutely that's the case. You know, saw the same thing in HD 18, you know, in the Bales-Cook race. Uh, You know, the difference there was 3,497 votes, and we've got 4,511 declared supporters there. Uh, HD 99, you know, the Garen french race where you had a, a difference of 1,895 votes and we've got uh, almost 2,600 supporters sitting in that district that I guarantee you the vast majority of them probably did not vote in that race. So, um, you know, you, you get down into things like SD 31, you got Kel Seliger that, uh, you know, that Cannon Leal, uh, that three way out there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, the difference between first place and second place in that one was 15,339 votes and we've got more than enough to cover that spread in that area. So um you know i i said at the outset when you talked to us about uh, when you talked to me about how we were going to play in this race it's like look if you don't appreciate our presence maybe you will appreciate our absence and hopefully uh now that some of these consultants or candidates or campaign managers or whatever made the conscious decision not to come and ask for the, the votes of the, you know, one of the largest political organizations in Texas, that all we want is to exercise our rights under Article One Section 1 and Article One Section 2 of the Texas Constitution and preserve the freedom and liberty so many of these guys get out there and tout, maybe now they will appreciate our absence and, and be a little more proactive in, in interacting with us in the next cycle.
0: I I I I would go further than that. I mean, we've seen others in the past, other campaigns in the past. Okay, exhibit A, the Jared Woodfield campaign for state party chair back in 2016. There was a concerted effort to literally court the TNM, understanding the political power that you have. There's there's no there's very few people, very political very few political Texas political figures or organizations that have the social media and press reach of the TNM. And just that alone would be worthy of seeking the support of the TNM. I'm thinking in the future that the smart candidate, especially the liberty-driven candidate, that's especially going up against a plutocratic, well-funded, multi-term incumbent is going to want to tap into the TNM. It's not, especially in a primary, the party can't do anything for them. The TNM can do so. The TNM can do so financially, but more importantly, boots on the ground. Most of these insurgent candidates, they have neither money and they have few boots on the ground, few volunteers to fill all the spaces that's needed to run a professional um, adept campaign.
1: Look, here's the bottom line. And let let me just interject this because I want to, I want to keep it real. And the reality is that a block vote from our people is no guarantee of victory, nor is an endorsement for the TNM a guarantee that all of our people are going to vote for a candidate. I mean, there are a lot of other factors. Uh, but as, as supporters of Texas independence pivot around and begin to view this as their chief voting issue, it informs so much of their other, like, you know, a, a good example. Uh, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a, a Texas independent supporter who is who is going to support a pro-choice candidate. I mean, it's just – it's probably not going to happen. Uh, so there are a lot of other factors that go in. Uh, our endorsement alone, our participation alone is not a is, – is not any – Uh, guarantee that these folks are going to absolutely get elected. Look, they've got to do the things that they got to do. They got to run solid campaigns. They got to be able to raise money. They got to get out there and do the work and knock the doors, make the phone calls. So, uh, you know, in, in some of these instances where, where we endorsed um, you know, I'm sure there were probably a lot of other factors in play. Uh, but the bottom line is that in some of these races, you know, much like the Briscoe-Cain uh, runoff in the last election cycle, uh, our guys made an impact in that Briscoe-Cain race. Were it not for uh, our folks jumping out there uh, because they believed that Briscoe was a, a big supporter of, of their right to vote on Texas independence, uh, then, you know, he, if our folks would have sat at the house, he would not have won. And, you know, some of these guys are going to go back and they're going to look at this and and they may poo-poo this, their consultant may tell them it's garbage, but I'm going to tell you right now, for any future candidate that, that wants to absolutely give themselves an edge, if they tell our people that they don't matter enough to ask for their vote, then you are, you're fighting with both hands tied behind your back. Our people are the most uh, knowledgeable, the most informed, the most passionate people that you can find, but they will only transfer that passion to candidates that are strong on Texas independence. And the fact of the matter is, it's not enough to fill out a survey. It's not enough just to go out there and and go, well, you know, I answered all the questions right. If you don't make this one of your chief issues, they're not going to step out for you. They're not going to lift a finger to help you.
0: Daniel, last question, I'm out of time with you. But the last question, I've always been an advocate. We've had this conversation several times. And I'm not crawfishing. I'm not backing down on it. I think the better model, I know you've tried this. And I think you need to keep trying this. I do not think it's an effort of banging your head against a brick wall. I think there, within the membership of the TNM, there are those that are capable of putting their names on the ballot and running good campaigns. Um, and, you know, with the help of the TNM and and, and the large talent pool that the TNM has, I, I've always believed that that was the best model. What we tried with Stampede Texas 2012, I think, we, you know, that, that to me, not because it was just my idea, I, I just think that's the better model. I mean, because back then we spoke about specifically digging into the membership of the TNM and finding candidates from within that membership that, that, me, that meet the criteria, the qualities, the communication skills that that you really need uh, in order to, to get across the finish line and beat the other guy with more votes. And I'm still an advocate of that. I know it's hard work for you guys, and, and it's hard to persuade members, especially hardworking members, because they're you know the most a lot of the rank and file are just regular folks um, to do that. But I believe that's the superior model versus waiting for those who file and see if they if they meet the standards, the the, the vetting threshold to receive the endorsement. Because you get a hodgepodge, you get Libertarians, you get um, Democrats, you get Republicans, you can only vote in one primary. And these endorsements primarily are going to have to wait until the general election if they haven't been diluted in importance and haven't suffered amnesia from TNM supporters your last thoughts on this, Daniel, I only got about uh, 90 seconds.
1: I don't, I don't disagree with that. Uh, I do not disagree with that as a model at all. Um, but you've got the advanced copy of the book and you read that chapter on, on from my perspective, uh, there are some, some key things that are keeping Texas independence or Texas from advancing to the next level. Uh, and we have got to address those issues Uh, prior to really going out there and and recruiting these candidates. Look, we are, our side is beset by a level of, and I'm not talking about just Texas independence. I'm talking about, you know, sort of the pro-liberty side. Uh, We are beset by a level of political amateurism that means that all of our uh, gains, we have to work 10 times as hard to achieve and 100 times as hard to keep. Uh, you know, whether it be from the aspects of being able to think that you could just throw your name on a ballot and win a race, or not understanding the role that money plays in, in advancing these issues, or in some instances, just being absolutely politically apathetic to begin with. The fact of the matter is, is that our side has got to address that. And it's not from a leadership standpoint. Look, I've said it, you said it, so many people in leadership have said it, uh, we've we've created opportunities for these folks to to step up their game and get real about this. And I, I'm going to tell you that the folks have got to begin to meet us halfway, at least halfway.
0: That's Daniel Miller, and he is a Raging Elephants radio contributor. You hear Daniel every week, usually on Tuesday or Wednesdays, depending on his schedule. He's such a media darling. If he ever has time, you know, for us little minuscule, little, you know, little, little molecular sized Raging Elephant's radio, you know.
1: What does that that even mean, man? Come on now.
0: You're just the man. I mean, you're, you're, you are you know, you're, you're a global, you have a global footprint media wise. I mean, it's just, let's just call it like it is. We're lucky (laughs) to have you. He's the president of the Texas nationalist movement based out of Newfoundland. He is a Raging Elephant's radio contributor. He's the author of two books, The First Line in the Sand, and his latest one, Texit, is fantastic. Um, I've done a book review on it, and I'll be talking more about it in the future, Daniel and I both. Thanks a lot, man. I got to get Terry
1: Hall on here. Thanks for having me on, Claver.